It's the Snobbies! How's it going, Joey? Um, good, you know, I'm just reflecting back on the 90s. Such a special time. <laughs> you know, there weren't any pandemics. No. Um, the worst thing the president did was, you know, catch a beach. Oh, dude, good times. They were good times. That's when we, a teenager. we were close to world peace then and anything. That's just, it just goes to show you, a good BJ is the key to world peace. <laughs> Straight up, man. Not that I was getting any back in the 90s. Just but, saying. Uh, just saying. Oh, <laughs> should we mention that we're recording right now? Oh, hey everybody! Oh, my it's bad. Not just, just not just Evan and I, huh? Ah, there's other people in the room. Um, so Joey, still in quarantine? Yeah, 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 yeah. Are we love the sunshine? Do we, do we consider it quarantine? Because they're basically stay, like stay-at-home orders. We can't really say that we're. Uh, that long story short, we're in different houses, which is bumming me right. out. Right, I can't, you know, look you in the eyes, deep into your eyes, which is my favorite thing. Well, we're looking at each other through Skype, which is fine. It's just not the real thing. It's it's like a sex doll. I can't I can't smell you, you know, and that's a big <laughs> thing. You're musk. Um, I don't know. I got something going on over here. You might be able to smell me in a little bit, but um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Joey's still still in lockdown, still uh, still depressed, and all that fun stuff that we can't get out and have fun in the world. That's not going to stop us from podcasting, though, is it? No, you know, as much as I miss your smell and your touch, uh, it's not going to stop us from communicating and from sharing our love for one another and our love for film. Uh, very very well said. Um, Thank you. I uh, I think we should go back to the '90s, man. It was good. I had a lot of hair. Um, pretty fit. Uh, I had no clue what was going on with girls or anything, but I was happy. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel that. And, uh, you know, we always talk about how 1990, uh, well, the year 94, the award year was 94. The, the release year was 93. Um, that's not to say there weren't other years in the 90s that didn't have amazing movies. Uh what year do you want to talk about? Well, I think we're going to talk about 1996. What happened in 96, Joey? I mean, there was a great glutton of summer blockbusters. Yeah. Um, and the best picture was The English Patient. <sighs> Joey, have you seen The English Patient? You know, Evan, I, I, I haven't. And why haven't you? <laughs> well, as a teenage me, it showed I had no interest in that. Well, um, you, you know, not to cut you off there, Joey, but I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, or at least dinged it. Um, for a movie that won Best Picture, doesn't really command a lot of attention this day and age. It's it's almost like a podcast about taking awards away should come along and take this one away because no one really seems to care about this one. That would be like a perfect platform to talk about this film, I think about. Because there were so many other films in 96 that we talk about all the time. Oh. Um, and The English Patient isn't one of them. Um, this is going to be a pretty decently uh, <laughs> clip-heavy episode, if you don't mind me saying. Um, 
I will say this. I have seen The English Patient, and we were talking a little bit off pod about this, and I was saying that at the time, The English Patient was very overrated. I think today it's a little bit underrated, but that being said, I'm looking at a bunch of other movies that were released that year, and English Patient is not making the list, man. It's just not doing it. Well, that's good. And, you know, someday maybe I will look into The English Patient and watch it. Um, good performance but, by Ray Fiennes. That's what I'll say. Okay. Definitely, definitely okay. good. Um, let's let's talk about, so uh, for, for everybody not familiar with the format again, um, we're going to go through, uh, obviously just went through the winner. We're going to take it away from the English patient already right away. Um, the other, we're going to go down the other nominees that year. And then Joey, I'm going to nominate five. You're going to nominate five. Maybe there's some crossover. Maybe mm-hmm. there isn't. Um, but we're going to, mm-hmm. We're going to come up with a new list of nominees, and then we're going to pick the best picture that should have been won that year. How's that? That sounds great to me. Okay. And let's... To clarify, these, the the Oscars happened in 97, but we're talking about the year of 1996. Correct. Correct. How old were you so, in 96, Evan? How old was I? Yeah. Um. Well, let's see. I was born in 83. 13? I was 13. <laughs> Okay, so you were, you know, interested in girls. You were finding your manhood. Um, I liked what they had to offer. Um, still do. Um, I just, uh, you know, you talk about someone with zero game. I'm your guy. <laughs> Back in 96. Back in 96. Uh, yeah, let's, yeah, there's a reason it took me a while. Um, so anyways, um, let's talk about the rest of the, the movies that were nominated that year. Um, let's do it. Secrets and Lies, which you said you haven't seen. I haven't. No, I'm sorry. Secrets I, and Lies. I never saw you. I have, but kind of like English Patient, very forgettable. Just not, um, I mean, don't, when I say forgettable, I don't want to like poo-poo on someone's cinematic achievements at all. But it's like, we're, we're talking about memorable movies from the 90s. This doesn't even crack top 200 as far as I'm concerned. I I have no recollection of this. Yeah, and that's kind of a, I mean, that's kind of telling. If The whole thing with this podcast, Joey, is that this is the court of public opinion, and the court hasn't even heard Secrets and Lies as a witness, so we can't even bring it to the table, my friend. See ya! So that one's gone. Um, let's talk about a movie that you and I both have seen, doesn't get a lot of love, because again, court of public opinion passed over it. Let's talk about Shine for a second with Jeffrey Rush. Yeah, I I really like this movie. It's a, so actually, as I was saying before, the, his performance, Jeffrey Rush's performance, it was an Oscar winning performance and rightfully so, uh, he plays, is it schizophrenia the dude has? Oh goodness. You know how I'm bad with these like mental illnesses. It, um, <laughs> he's, he's a child prodigy musician, plays the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, he's definitely on the spectrum, but right. I don't want to drop the, uh, the other R word, you know? I got in trouble last time. A couple episodes ago, Joey dropped the uh, Riri. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the movie is worth a watch strictly for his performance. I don't think the movie on a whole is really anything to get up in arms about, to be honest. I can, I can agree with that. And he won best actor that year. He did. Which, um, which I'm, happy about yeah it was it was a hell of a performance I mean. and, and i would go so far as to say that the movie won the award that it should have won 
Correct, yeah. Um, although, it, to be honest, I'm looking at a couple of these movies that we're going to talk about, and maybe he shouldn't have won it that year. But <laughs> we'll save that for another day, another podcast, Joey. Yeah. Strong film, though. Very strong. Yeah. Let's... Um, I want you to talk about uh, the the next two because these are the more reputable movies from that year that were actually nominated for Best Picture. Well, one of them, uh, you may have heard of the directors, the Coen Brothers. Oh, was, I have. I've heard. Yeah, yeah, Fargo, one of their best films, and they are one of the world's best filmmakers. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, Fargo, I would dare say maybe uh, tied number one with No Country for Old Men. <clears throat> Man, they've made some great films. They uh, have. They really have. It's really good, though. And, th- you know, not to get off track here, but the TV series is excellent if you haven't checked it out. I have not watched the TV series yet. I, oh, I've been meaning so to. Good. So, so, so good. Um, That being said, it it all spawns from this beautiful film that was made in 1996. William H. Macy, Steve Buscemi, uh, Francis McDormand. So good. Yeah, it's so freaking good. And just incredibly quotable, and not just for the fact that it's based on, like, a very quirky small town. uh, Minnesota, right? Correct. You know, small town Minnesota, um, you know, uh, or no, Fargo, North Dakota. Oh, well, North Dakota, but a car salesman in Minneapolis. There you go. There you go. Um, Yeah, insanely quotable. I mean, you've got just the the scene where Frances McDormand is interviewing the two women that said they were having sex with a little fella. Yeah, we both did. She went to college, too. I went to Normandale for about a year and a half. Yeah, that's where we met. But I dropped out, though. Yeah, she dropped. Yeah. So where are you girls from? Chaska. Lesueur. But I went to high school in White Bear Lake. Go Bears. Okay. I want you to tell me what these fellas look like. Well, the little guy, he was kind of funny looking. In what way? I don't know, just funny looking. Can you be any more specific? I couldn't really say. He wasn't circumcised. Was he funny looking apart from that? Yeah. So, you were having sex with a little fella then? Uh Uh-huh. Is there anything else you can tell me about him? No. Like I say, he was funny looking. More than most people, even. What about the other fella? He was a little older. You know, he looked like the Marlboro Man. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But maybe I'm saying that, you know, because he smoked a lot of Marlboros. Uh-huh. You know, like a subconscious type of thing. Oh, yeah, that can happen. Yeah. Hey, they said they were going to the Twin Cities. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, is that useful to you? Oh, you betcha, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a, that's a great scene. It's a classic. It's quirky. It's funny, but then you know it's it's got like the the infamous wood chipper scene. Man, have, have you every time I see a wood chipper, I think of Fargo. Oh, you! It's impossible not to. It's absolutely Correct. impossible. Um, there, yeah, and William H Macy. I mean, you want to talk about you know potential uh, winners for what should have been best picture, uh, you know, best actor if Jeffrey Rush hadn't crushed it. I mean, William H Macy's right up there. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic film. I mean, we're going to be 
talking about this one as well. Sure, for sure. Uh, and what's the? Give me, give me. The, so we're actually not going to disclude Fargo uh, right off the bat. I think this one deserves some pretty serious contention for best picture. Um, but give me the last, because uh, remember, this was in the '90s. This was before they allowed up to ten movies to be nominated. So there's only five. So give me that fifth and final one. Uh, you know, show me the money. Oh, show me the money, Jerry Maguire. Tom Cruise, what, Joe, one of my all-time favorite actors. Joey, gi- give me your unbridled, unapologetic thoughts on Jerry Maguire. It was good. It was better than good. Um, is it timeless? No, it's very much of the time. That's really well is said. It, is it Tom Cruise's best film? No not even close it's not even last samurai of course i'm biased <laughs> i love the last samurai um you know cameron crow hell of a filmmaker i love jay moore i love cuba gooding jr this is renee zellweger when she was still kind of normal jay moore um, doesn't get enough love i'm glad that you brought him up yeah i love that guy yeah um uh, yeah good not great good not great i i feel like um I mean, you had me at hello, show me the money. Um, You know, this movie is not without its fair share of insanely quotable and very memorable scenes from the movie. That Mm. being said, and and I got to say too, hell of a soundtrack. (laughs) I don't remember the soundtrack. Well, it's got uh, Bruce Springsteen. um, It had... uh, Oh, there, there's a couple like really heavy hitting songs from uh, from the soundtrack. I remember it being incredibly potent soundtrack. Um, but again, going back to the initial response of like it's it's good, not great, and I don't understand the nomination for it. Yeah, I don't know either. Maybe they were feeling bad for Tom Cruise and and Cameron Crowe at the time, but it's definitely one of the more quotable films of the '90s. So we'll give it that. I I'll, I'll give it this word quintessential oh quintessential 90s yes exactly i i think in the in the lexicon of 90s movies i think jerry Maguire cracks the top 100 maybe top 50 oh sure it's sure sure you think about it it's 90s it's right up there with like clueless and and a, a bunch of other movies that we're going to talk about like yeah it's up there for sure i just i don't see it best picture no no, 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 it's not. It, it wasn't the best film that year. No. So are you cool with uh, with just kind of bouncing it right away, or were you going to nominate that one for your own? Uh, no, it's not on my list. So. Cool. Uh, you know, and honestly, out of all these nominees, Fargo is the only one that's going to make it for me. Did, so did you actually nominate Fargo? I guess I'll just do that now, yeah. So did I. <laughs> okay, great. So there we go. Our first crossover, number one. Um, Fargo is going to move on to the actual nomination round. Um yeah, let's talk a little bit more about Fargo. I mean, it's we're nominating it for for best picture as well as it should have. Um, it, the I got to tell you, the score is haunting, and but not in like a not in a horror kind of way. I, I feel like the the score just paints the picture that the cinematography does so nicely. Um, it, it's one of those few soundtracks when I when I hear the score, I'm immediately like. I know exactly where this is. I can see the snow coming through the or the car coming through the snowstorm, yada yada yada. It's it's kind of a total package. 
It is. It is. And I did a little bit of research on this film. Evan, I know you in did. preparation for this podcast because that's what I do. I prepare. <laughs> um, 2006, the National Film Registry, uh, the Library of Congress, put Fargo in this to preserve it as a culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant film. Oh, you betcha. <laughs> See what I did it there? really is well-rounded from top to bottom. You mentioned the score, the performances the cinematography it's a great great film yeah i i totally agree um it again to repeat it's a total package it really really is um cool so we know we're not going to have 10 because we both had that same one give me uh, give me another uh, another joey nominee from from 1996 well you know earlier evan i asked you how old you were in 96 and I'm not scared to say it. I was 16. It's okay. I was born in 1980. It's fine. You're robbing my cradle, uh, dude. I was, man. I would have hit on you hard. <laughs> um, even though I'm into chicks, I swear. But uh, we're each so other's hall passes. Year old, <laughs> I could at that point drive myself to the movie theater. What did you see? So I saw a lot of films that summer that year. But but what did you see that you're about to nominate? Okay. Again, this is the Snubbies. This is our podcast, right? 100%. I can do what I want. You do what you want. One of the best films made that year was Independence Day. (gasps) It was. Joey, we have two crossovers. Oh, my God. You know, typically in podcasts, people want people to argue and not agree on stuff, but... This is, I don't care. This is why we're soulmates, man. Hey. That's right. Let's talk about Independence Day. Dare I say, maybe the greatest monologue of all time? Yes, say it. Oh, I'm going to play it right now over this. Joey, does that speech make you feel funny in the bathing suit area like it does to me? (laughs) It did back then, and it still does today. Good morning. In less than an hour... Aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps fate that today is the 4th of July and you will once again be fighting for our freedom not from tyranny oppression or persecution but from annihilation we're fighting for our right to live to exist and should we win the day The 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day.
Dude, I could I simultaneously tear up and get a heart on from listening to that. Like, I just want to go kill some aliens and just just salute the flag, man. God bless Bill Pullman. Oh, he, um, dude, you talk underrated. Correct. And then, you know, if we were to make a list of best U.S. presidents portrayed in films, he's definitely making it. Uh, it it's going to be between him and Dave. <laughs> just saying. Kelvin, this Kevin film, Klein. This film is epic. Oh, it's so I mean, good. On an epic scale, you know, you have the major cities being threatened by these giant, you know, flying objects. Um, and it's not just a small thing. It's, this is like a massive, massive thing. You have the pop culture of people chasing him around. You know, you have Jeff Goldblum. And oh, yeah. you have Will Smith, which was this was his big kind of... Uh, debut as a feature film dude, action hero. Dude, Goldblum was crushing the 90s, too. Jurassic so Park, good. Independence Day. Mm-hmm. He's good, man. He's real good. He um, is good. It, yeah, and, like, even, like, Harvey Firestein. Like, or how you pronounce his name? Firestein, Feinstein, whatever. Like, the, yeah. the dude with the voice. Everyone knows the dude with the voice. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the scene where he's, like, going through, like, who he has to call when he decides, when he realizes that, like, the world's about to come to an end. David! Why did I just send my mother to Atlanta? David! David, talk to me. You hear me tell you that the signal hidden in the satellite feed is slowly recycling down to extinction? Not really. Countdown. Countdown. We're count down to what, David? Uh, it's like in chess. First, you strategically position your pieces, then when the timing's right, you strike. See? They're positioning themselves all over the world, using this one signal to synchronize their efforts in approximately six hours. The signal's gonna disappear and the countdown's gonna be over. And then what? Checkmate. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God, I gotta call my brother. I better call my housekeeper. I gotta call my lawyer. Uh, forget my lawyer. It's, I love that scene. It's it's an amazing scene. It's, it's so amazingly Jewish and and real at the same time like that's exactly how that character would have done that um, totally Judd Hirsch is great in oh it. he's awesome Randy Quaid is great in it okay so I know Randy Quaid went off the deep end he went bye-bye a long long time ago mm. but there's two no I'm sorry I'm looking at a third movie there are three movies that will always hold special place in my hearts. One I'm going to talk about in my also rants. Um, but it's it's basically this movie, this mystery third movie that I'll talk about. And then Christmas Vacation is Cousin Eddie. Yeah. But he... Uh, yeah. Dude, that that whole final scene where, like, he's... he's uh, spoiler alert. Um, the final scene where he sacrifices himself for to literally save humanity. Like, what better way to just scream up yours and just save the world at the same time yeah and it's you know that it's a little cheesy but how can you not get behind him on that that moment you know well it's it's funny because i remember uh you know years and years ago when the snubbies was first starting um mike and i did an episode about uh mike morosco if anyone hasn't listened to this one specific episode do yourself a favor and go back because it's a great episode uh top 10 movies for guys to cry at and I don't think Independence Day made the list, but hey, man, when Randy Quaid goes up the alien poop chute and kills the, uh, you know, blows that whole thing sky high. Do me a favor. 
Tell my children I love them very much. All right, you alien assholes. In the words of my generation, up yours! Dad, what's he doing? Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Come on. Good luck, buddy. Try not to tear up just a just a little bit. You're not gonna you're not gonna let one roll down your cheek, but you are gonna want to look up at the sky and blink a few a few times. You know, Evan, you're a poet and you don't even know it. You know, blowing up in a poop shoe. That was a rhyme. Um, and I'm gonna keep going with the performances. Um, Please do. Vivica A. Fox. This was oh. like her big debut. Okay, can and I like, name who wasn't in can, love with her? Can I name point. drop really quick? Do it. Um, so one of the first movies that I ever assistant directed uh, was a movie uh, called, oh, what was it? It was um, Holiday Heist. It was not my finest work, um, but Vivica A. Fox was in that movie, and she came to set on day one, and she was like, hey, can I get a script? And I was like, yeah, do you do you not have one? She goes, no, I haven't read the movie yet. And I was like, uh, oh. you're about to go on set in like an hour uh, you haven't read the script yet? She goes, nope, just give me a script. She goes in the makeup chair, gets in her wardrobe, comes out. And she goes, okay, I just read it. I'm good to go. And she had memorized the whole thing in like two seconds. <laughs> like, wow. I don't know if she's a speed reader or what, but like I had never been more impressed by someone in a single moment than just like, hey, I haven't read the script. I'm not ready. And then an hour later, like, cool, got this whole thing down. Let's do this. Amazing. Yeah, she was she was a, a tough lady. I, I loved working with her. Love her. Love her. And then, you know, let's not forget Harry Connick Jr. Uh, you know, kind of a big deal at that point. I got them right here. <laughs> this movie, I love this movie with all my heart. Yeah. Um, and then Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin, they, you know, you thought like, okay, the sky's the limit after this one. And it just, it they never really hit. The hit is hard as they did with this film. Well, it's it's funny because um, going back to another podcast that you and I did, top ten summer movies, um, mm. you had nominated this one as one of your top ten summer movies, and it did because it is. Well, it didn't quite fit the criteria that we had set because you were going more predominantly blockbuster. But that being said, um, Jaws from nineteen seventy five. Uh, the was the movie that coined the term summer blockbuster but Mm -hmm. when i think summer blockbusters i think independence day same same this was a big summer for blockbusters i i I am uh this was it i am so on board with you nominating this one because i nominated it too fantastic so we're good all right what else did you nominate it's your turn oh you want me to throw one at you um 
Joey, yeah, go ahead. I, I've got a couple that I know that you haven't seen, so I'm going to start with one of those. Um, okay. Uh, a Time to Kill, Joey. Um, this is the movie where Matthew McConaughey stopped being the all right, all right, all right guy and became a holy shit, this dude can act guy. Um, I know he won the award for Dallas Buyers Club, but he probably should have won it for A Time to Kill. So, how familiar are you with this movie? I mean, I I remember it coming out. Obviously, I didn't see it, but I've also heard in hindsight that it's it's held up. Um, yeah. So basically, the premise of the movie is Samuel L. Jackson, who at this point still was not a leading man, but he was very quickly becoming that. Um. He so he plays a father. His little girl is brutally attacked. Uh, I'm I'm not going to use your least favorite R word to describe what Ugh. happened. Don't. Um, but his his young daughter is brutally attacked by these two uh, white supremacists, um, basically clan members. Although they're not wearing the robes during the attack, and they get arrested and they're on trial. And Samuel Jackson knows that they're basically going to be let off. So he storms the courthouse and murders the guys in in broad daylight. Samuel L. Jackson is then put on trial for their murder, and Matthew McConaughey is the public defender that is assigned to the case, knowing that he has no shot in hell in getting him off. It, it seems like a very simplistic premise, but the reason why people say this movie holds up is because it plays the race card in a way that really had never been done before and hasn't been done since. And it's, it's unapologetic. It's unflinching. The performances are mind bogging, boggingly good. And I'm going to tell you right now, when you go back and listen to this episode, because if you don't watch this in the next few days before this goes live, I'm going to play that end scene right now. Cause Spoiler alert, if anyone hasn't seen this movie, you need to pause this right now because the end scene, or should I say the final courtroom scene, is so moving and so powerful, um, people want to hear it. So here it is. We have a duty under God to seek the truth. Not with our eyes, and not with our minds, where fear and hate turn commonality into prejudice, but with our hearts. I want to tell you a story. I'm going to ask you all to close your eyes. This is a story about a little girl walking home from the grocery store one sunny afternoon. I want you to picture this little girl. Suddenly a truck races up. Two men jump out and grab her. They drag her into a nearby field. And they tie her up. And they rip her clothes from her body. Now they climb on. First one, then the other. Raping her. Shattering everything innocent and pure. Vicious thrust. A fog of drunken breath and sweat. 
when they're done, after they've killed her tiny womb, murdered any chance for her to bear children, to have life beyond her own, they decide to use her for target practice. So they start throwing full beer cans at her. Throw them so hard that it tears the flesh all the way to her bones. Then they urinate on her. Now comes the hanging. They have a rope. They tie a noose. Imagine the noose coiling tight around her neck and sudden blinding jerk. She's pulled into the air and her feet and legs go kicking and they, they don't find the ground. The hanging branch isn't strong enough. It snaps and she falls back to the earth. Now they pick her up, throw her in the back of the truck, drive out to Foggy Creek Bridge Pitch her over the edge. I want you to picture a little girl. Now imagine she's white. Um, so, Joey, I know you didn't hear that because unless you went back and watched it by the time this came out, but um, powerful. But Powerful stuff. It, it's <laughs> it's it, it it was jaw dropping for people, you know, in the movie, and it was jaw dropping for people um, outside the movie. And it's it all comes down to a line. It's not like something happens. It's the way something is. It's the way a story is relayed, basically. And it's mm. it's subtle. It's but it's powerful at the same time. And I feel like this movie gets nominated just for that scene alone but the rest of the movie is amazing as well hmm. joel schumacher directed mm-hmm. um who's had quite the eclectic career yeah he's got some heavy hitters in there yeah i mean it's a john grissom film yes um cool. it, and so at this point he was doing more serious films yeah uh before that he had done some like 80s kind of blockbuster type of things like well not even blockbusters but lost boys and yep you know saying almost fire and then he went on to do like the batman films yeah and well i, I will say speaking of um of lost boys uh Kiefer sutherland is in this movie and plays a clan member and his performance is disturbingly good as well huh i mean it's an all-star cast oh for sure kevin spacey before he was uh discovered to be touching little boys yeah, yeah, Charles Dutton. I love that guy. Yeah, Joey, Joey, look at me, look at me through Skype. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing you. Got to watch this movie. You got to watch this movie. Okay, 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 okay. I know it's not. Okay. I know you're you're gonna take it away because you haven't seen it. But I, I, <laughs> I could have picked a movie that I know that you've seen. But I gotta tell you, man, a Time to Kill is phenomenal, and it has to be nominated. So here it is. It's nominated. Fair enough. And, you know, when it comes down to it, you can, you know, try to convince me of this. That's okay. What we do here. Okay. I, okay. All right. So I gave you one. You give uh, me one. 
Okay. Again, I was 16. Uh, this is a very nostalgic time for me. But uh, me personally, I don't think action movies get enough credit. I know where you're going. I know where you're going, and I like where you're going. Again, I mentioned him earlier. One hell of an actor, Mr. Tom Cruise. Oh, you're not going where I thought you were going. Well, no, I'm not. I'm I'm going Mission Impossible. Showy, absolutely. Can we get the music? Uh, Playing in the background right now, man. You can't talk about this. You can't talk about this movie and not have the music in the background. No, definitely not. I'm like sweating right now. Um, It's awesome. Front to back, it's an awesome, awesome film. It's it's pretty solid. I mean, Ving Rhames, Tom Cruise, like it's it, it it. And you know what's funny is that when you look back on it, it's the most tame of the whole franchise. Definitely, definitely. It's not like uh, the Vidal Sassoon hair shampoo commercial that Mission Impossible Two was. <laughs> you know, um, it's Brian De Palma, so he's taking it fairly seriously. You know, uh, peak Tom Cruise playing Ethan Hunt. And uh, John Voight. Oh, yeah, dude. Ving Rhames. I love Ving Rhames. Jean Reno, <gasps> your boy. I, oh. And then let's not forget uh, the French actress, Emmanuel mm. Beret. I don't know how to say yeah, her last name. I'll take it. Total babe. I'll take it. Total babe. Um, this movie's awesome. This movie's awesome. It's not too extreme. It doesn't take itself too seriously, but at the same time, it is a, kind of a serious movie. Yeah. And it's uh, just super well done. I'll allow it. That That's that's a solid choice. Thank you. Um, Joey, another one that I know you haven't seen, and people are going to think I'm crazy for saying this, but this one is top 20 for me. Uh, there, was, uh, there was a very eccentric actor out there known as Billy Bob Thornton, and a lot of people know him as... Uh, Bad Santa. A lot of people know him uh, just as the guy that would wear the vial of blood around his neck when he was married to Angelina Jolie. But Mm. in 1996, he wrote, produced, and directed a little movie called Sling Blade. And if you go and watch this movie, you can't pick him out who he is in that movie. Spoiler alert, he is the lead actor of the movie. (laughs) Um, he, you can't identify him as Billy Bob Thornton in this role. He, so do you know anything about this one? I mean, a little bit, a little bit, um, but go ahead. So he, give us, give us a little bit. So he plays a, uh, for lack of a better term, cause I don't think there is a definition for what affliction he has. Um, he plays a, a very mentally, um, uh, Mentally underdeveloped individual. Um, you know, he's a middle-aged man, but really never progressed beyond the age of, like, five. Uh, not to say he's, like, you know, bouncing a you know, a bouncy ball outside or anything like that. He just, he's extremely simple and a very limited vocabulary. And he, he, uh, he talks like this. Mm-hmm. He talks like this and he grunts all the time. Mm-hmm. Sure you're going to be okay staying with that woman and her boy? Yes, sir. Do they know about you? My history. Yeah. I told them about it. They know I'm well. 
That Miss Wheatley made me some biscuits. Yeah, I'll be. That boy, he's my friend. He likes the way I talk, and I like the way he talks. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you're gonna be all right. I just want to check on you. I'm gonna tell Bill goodbye and head on back. All right, then. I mean, it kind of sounds like me, Evan. I bounce a ball outside, <laughs> and I like to grunt. Um, no, and, you know, I'll insert the monologue here, but in the very beginning, uh, so he's in, in, in a mental institution, and he explains why he's there. I used to say that my mother was a very pretty woman. He said that quite a bit from time to time when I'd be down there at school, Hal. Well... I reckon you want me to get on with it and tell you what happened, I reckon I'll tell you. I was sitting out there in the shed one evening, not doing too much of nothing, just kind of staring at the wall and waiting on my mother to come out and give me my Bible lesson, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I hear the commotion up there in the house, and so I run up on the screen down porch to see what is going on. I looked in the window there and I seen my mother laying on the floor there in clothes on. Hmm. Uh-huh. Uh. I seen Jesse Dixon laying on top of her. He was having his way with her. Uh. Well, I just seen red. Picked up a Kaiser blade that was sitting there by the screen door. Some folks called it a slang blade. I call it a Kaiser blade. Just kind of a long wood handle, kind of like an axe handle. With a long blade on it, shaped kind of like a banana. Mm-hmm. Sharp on one edge and dull on the other. It's what the highway boys used to cut down weeds and whatnot. You know. Well, I went in there in the house. And I hit Jesse Dixon upside the head with it, knocked him off my mother. I reckon that didn't quite satisfy me. So I hit him again with it in the neck with a sharp edge and just plumb near cut his head off. Killed him. Um, so he quote unquote serves his time and is released and he befriends this little boy and basically goes and lives with him and his family. And like literally that's that's the plot of the movie. But there's there's just this element of like the world is never going to be perfect for anybody. And without giving too much away, you just you see this uh, this little boy have a lot of issues that he feels like only he uh, that Billy Bob Thornton feels that he can correct. Um it's basically tragedy begets tragedy is kind of the, the overall message of the story, but it's extremely heartfelt and touching at times, which is mm. interesting. Cause like mixed in with all this darkness and, and disturbing nature is a very, very sweet story of friendship in its most basic form. Joey, you would love it. Okay, good. Because it doesn't sound very uplifting, but not all films have to no, be, it, I guess. No, it, it, and it's weird because I really can't describe it in any other way, but I will say, like, as depressing as it can be, I really feel good after watching it, if it makes any sense. Hmm, sure. It's it's about, I mean, it's about friendship. It's a movie about friendship. Gotcha. And kudos to him. I mean, Jesus, 
writing, directing, and starring in something is, I, I'm assuming, cannot be easy. No, no, it's not. And especially for that being like your your first swing at a feature, fantastic. Mm-hmm. And the late great John Ritter is in it, and he's amazing. Oh, so well, okay. So that's your nominee. Yeah, there's just there's so many memorable scenes from that. Um, the ending is disturbing in its simplicity. Uh, but again, Joey, you got to watch a time to kill. You got to watch Sling Blade. Yeah, I'm really bummed. I haven't seen him. Uh, it's all good. I really am. It's all good. I might, I might, I want to hear what you got next. And then I might actually throw in, um, uh, I might actually throw in a, another, cause we have two crossovers. I might throw one in there just to make me feel better. Okay. All right. So give me, give me, uh, your second to last or you got, you only got two more, right? This is tough if I only have two more, but I know what my next one is. Go. Uh, I like comedies. I like to write comedies. I like to watch comedies. Joey. And if we're talking timeless films here. Yeah. Timeless. Yeah. Happy Gilmore. Oh, we got three crossover. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Looking back at 1996, this... Anybody can sit here and argue with me. I don't care. This was one of the best films made that year. So Adam Sandler, when all is said and done, yeah, people are going to rip on him for making horrible Netflix movies. That's that's just a given, um, with the exception of Uncut Gems. That being said, Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison was a one-two punch from him that I don't think any other actor has had that level of cult status performances back-to-back. Not performances, but movies in general. Totally. Back-to-back, for sure. But I think I'm giving Happy Gilmore the edge over Billy Madison. I love Billy Madison. Don't get me wrong. Happy Gilmore was more widely accepted. Correct. And it's probably because the sports angle and and the golfing and all that. But um, Carl Weathers is just fantastic in it. Um, It's okay, Happy. I got my handbag. Um, I I say that all the time. That's... (laughs) <laughs> that's a that's a good one. Um, the uh, the happy place is is always good. Um, but I gotta say, to this day, Joey, almost on a daily basis, I still quote the uh, hey, "Hey, you know want breakfast?" Hey, you know want breakfast? <laughs> like if my kids are running around the house, like causing a scene, and they haven't sat down to have breakfast yet, like I'm saying that. I mean, go to your home. I say that all the time. <laughs> happy. The ball itself has its own energy, or life force, if you will. Its natural environment is in the home. So why don't you send him home? His bags are packed. He's got his airplane tickets. Bring him to the airport. Send him home. <laughs> send him home. I just send him home. It's time to go home there, ball. Son of a bitch, Paul, why didn't you just go home? That's your home! Are you too good for your home? Answer me! Suck my white ass, Paul! Um, <laughs> the ice skating rink when the Zamboni driver is singing along, I like. I blew my funny fuse the first time I saw that, and I still think it's hilarious. Endless love playing in the background. Oh, it's so funny. Um, Joey? Joey? Yes, yeah. You're in big trouble, though, pal. I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. You eat pieces of shit for breakfast? No. <laughs> you eat pieces of shit for breakfast? It, yeah. Shooter McGavin? I mean, he's one of the best characters of all time. I, I'm going to say 
so Barstool Sports did a um, a March Madness bracket like ten years ago of top ten movie and real life villains, and Shooter Gavin won. <laughs> he won. He beat out the um, he beat out that asshole that that bought the the formula for um, for insulin. Oh my the god! How was his? Na- I can't remember his name. It's a good thing that I don't remember his name. But th- it came down to Shooter McGavin and him, and Shooter McGavin won as the all-time oh greatest villain in in, um, in world history. Um, Joey, I I will go so far as to say Happy Gilmore top ten sports movies of all time. Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm claiming it's one of the best films of that year. Uh, um, depending on where this conversation goes, it might be the best movie of that year. I love it. It's definitely in consideration. I mean, Adam Sandler's hitting his stride. He just, he like jumped up 10 levels with this film music by Mark Mothersbaum, uh, singer of Devo and obviously gone on to compose amazing films. That makes a lot of uh, sense. Cause that score is, is very eighties ish. Totally. So strong. And I mean, God, even the, I don't know the guy's name, but um, the guy who Shooter hires to like try to get in his head. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey Gilmore, you suck, you jackass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and what about the what about uh, the tall guy? Yeah, the, the Neil comes out next week. Oh man, so good! It's so good. I love this movie with all my heart. Um, yeah, he gets an endorsement deal from Subway. Like it, it's. <laughs> I just go on and on. I, I, I truly love this film. Yeah. So. Yep. I agree. It's in my. It's in my top. I agree. It's top. Bob Barker's in it too. Yeah. <laughs> Man, um, Joey, I'm gonna throw one one last one in there because we had three crossovers. So I'm gonna throw uh-huh. one last one in there because, for the longest time, if you can remember, do you remember? You know what my favorite movie of all time is, right? The Shining. Yeah, and what my what the movie before that one was? Uh, I forgot. Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah. and then do you do you remember? Because we did this before. Do you remember what my third movie of favorite movie of all time before Shawshank was? <laughs> You'll have to refresh my memory. It's going to be the movie that I'm going to sneak in as a also Rand's nominee here. Uh, Scream. Oh, dude, you do love that movie. You talk about just quintessential 90s you talk about amazing horror movies i mean scream is one of the most influential horror movies of all time came out this year i i gotta put it in there man because i know i already had five but we had so many crossovers i feel like i should put it in here um the movie just redefined an entire genre and how many times can you say that truly and made by a master Wes Craven Mm -hmm. who you would think would just kind of get stuck in his ways but yeah he changed the whole horror genre yep with one film exactly and there were so many copycat movies that came after it and obviously we can talk about the sequels if we wanted to but who saw that ending coming who whoever thought that movie would be as influential as it is so it's it's got to be in consideration for that I love that. I mean, who saw the the beginning coming? Oh, yeah. I mean, Psycho is the only other movie that that did away with their top build actress so soon. But Scream did it in the first ten minutes. Killed off their top build actress. Jeez. I mean, an all as far as like '90s actors go, all star. Oh, cast. for sure, for sure. Dave Arquette, Nev Campbell. I love Matthew Courtney Lillard. Cox, like. Matthew Lillard is one of my favorites all time. He's, he's he's so good. He's awesome. Hello. 
Stew, Stew, what's your motive? Billy's got one. The police are on their way. What are you gonna tell them? Peer pressure. I'm far too sensitive. I'm gonna rip you up, you bitch! Just like your fucking mother! You gotta find me first, you pansy ass mama's boy! Fuck! Ah, fucking hit me with a phone, dick! <laughs> Fucker, where are you? Ah! Ah, you fuck! Did you really call the police? You missed your sorry ass, I My mom and dad are he is so good. Oh, man. Good times. You want to throw one more in there while we're talking? Man, I, I feel like I have a lot of kind of honorable mentions for this year. And I don't know which one is better than the next. We can. That's just because that's fine. Like, let's let's I mean, dude, this was also the year that Twister was out. I love. Twister. I thought for sure you were going to nominate it. I guess that's what I'm kind of on the fence. Uh, so. I'm stuck between three films. Twister, mm-hmm. which we can talk about. The Cable Guy. Dark. Which has aged really well. Yes, it has. It's better now than it was when it first came out. Yeah, yeah. And then Train Spotting was really good. I mean Interesting. It's not it's not a great movie to rewatch just because it's so dark. Yeah. But at the time um, it was, it was kind of one of one, you know, yeah. no, we, at least American audience hadn't seen anything like that before. No, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't have to throw any more nominees in here. I'll actually, I'll take Scream back out, um, only because I, uh, I love that movie. It wasn't in my original five, so obviously it's probably not going to move forward. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, the rest of the movies that were out that year, Twister, The Rock, I mean, The <laughs> Rock is arguably one of the greatest action movies of all time. It's so good. Uh, Kingpin, which is another movie that has aged a lot better than when it first came out. I love Kingpin with all my heart. It's so... Dude, Bill Murray, it's one of his best. Yeah, and Woody Harrelson is so good. He is so... And I I gotta tell you, one of my favorite lines in movie history is when they're talking about uh, the shit cloud. The army evacuated everybody. Evacuated? Uh, a big uh, military train derailed, and this whole area is in danger of being contaminated by a huge cloud of shit. A huge cloud of shit? Wow. God, I think I smell it. Come on, let's go. Come on, Mr. Munson. Claudia. <laughs> it's, so, it's so random and good. That thing you do was really huge when it came out. Had that song. Uh, you know, that thing you do, yeah, obviously. Yeah, it didn't do too much for me. Fair enough. Uh, Sorry. Ran- Ransom, before Mel was a uh, full anti-Semite, that movie was great. Yeah, he was hitting his stride at that point, that's for sure. Yeah. Primal Fear, I know you haven't um, seen it, but Ed Norton, holy crap, Ed Norton is amazing in that movie. Damn. Um, also, I like, From Dust Till Dawn came out that summer as well. So good. So good. It's so good. It's so good. I love a film that kind of just has a very small timeline of the action happening. I mean, it's in yeah. the title. So you know, well, you know, you, know. What, you know what I like about it is that that was back when they were on speaking terms. That was Rodriguez and Tarantino just having fun together. Also, Yeah, like a quintessential power couple of the 90s. Yeah, it was. And then just to kind of round out some of the other ones, uh, People versus Larry Flint and The Craft. I mean, The Craft... I think gets way more love now than it did back then. I think it holds a special place in people's hearts. 
And uh, Truly. I mean, they're doing a remake of it. So, you know, obviously it's it's got enough power there. So. Um, so, yeah, those are the it was a damn good year. Um, but we are left with uh, I'm looking at seven here. And should I just should I do you a favor and just take Sling Blade and Time to Kill off because I know you're not going to go for him? Well, God, I feel bad. You really sold me you, on both of you them. You should feel bad because <laughs> those are like you know, I mean, Happy Gilmore and Independence Day. You know, I I get it. I'm gonna. It's a biased opinion. No, but, but I think. But Joey, Joey, this yeah. is the snubbies. We're we're looking back at movies that ha- that have had more staying power. And are embedded in the lexicon of American pop culture. I'm gonna I'm gonna propose something to you right now, and I mm-hmm. want to see if you're gonna bite. Okay. You ready for this one? Hit hit me. So the seven that we have left are Fargo, Independence Day, Scream, Happy Gilmore, Sling Blade, Time to Kill, and Mission Impossible. Here's what I'm proposing to you, based off of what I just said about the American lexicon of film history being all about memorable quotations, all that stuff. I'm proposing to you right now, we immediately drop it down to two. And those would be Independence Day and Happy Gilmore. Wow. Um, what about Fargo? We can leave Fargo in if you want, but the thing, I mean, we can... But you just you talked about the American lexicon and, and quotable quotes. We have to leave Fargo in. Okay. So are you cool with uh, with it being down to those three? Yeah, Ethan Hunt, you did a great job running and and being like really sneaky. But Mission Impossible, that's fine. Cool. It could go away. So uh, so we're gonna drop Scream, Sling Blade, Time to Kill, and Mission Impossible. Congratulations, you got nominated, but you're not gonna win the big one. Uh, Joey, Fargo, <laughs> Independence Day, Happy Gilmore. I am so happy about our top three right now. <laughs> but that's what this is about. It is. And those three movies stand the test of time. Thank you. We will forever be watched. Thank you. And forever be loved. For sure. So let's talk. So we've already talked a lot about Fargo. Is there anything else that you want to throw out there? Because we, we did say it is almost a perfect movie. I mean, which says a lot. It does say a lot. Um, You know. AFI, I think, put it in the top 100 films of all time, if that says anything. Mm-hmm. It's these auteurs, the Coen brothers, we already mentioned this, one of their best films, probably one of the best performances by Francis McDormand and William H. Macy mm-hmm. and Buscemi. Yeah, yeah, yeah so it's can't like, discount him. We're talking greatness on greatness, doing great things. Uh, he, I, I kind of want to propose it this way. Let's say you're sitting on the couch watching TV back when cable was still mm-hmm. a thing. Okay. You get three channels. On these three channels is Fargo, Independence Day, and Happy Gilmore. And you you have that old school remote that has the last channel button that only goes between the last two. Okay. Which two are you flipping back and forth from to try to catch the next scene before it ends? Evan, this is our podcast. It is. This is ours. It, no, it's the people's podcast. And if the and if the people's too. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, sorry people. Uh, sorry, I got a little caught up in uh, us. If I have, <laughs> if I'm flipping back between two films, it's Happy Gilmore and Independence Day. I have so much respect for Fargo. I have way more respect for Fargo as a film, as a piece of art, than those two films. I agree. I agree. But, but in this situation, I'm flipping back between those two. 
Joey, this is like when the commercial comes on on Happy Gilmore. I'm flipping back yep. to see the spaceship over, you know, yep. the U.S. Bank building because you you want to see the Empire State Building blow up before you catch Happy Gilmore hitting that long drive. Totally. I mean, Will Smith punches an alien in the face. Welcome to Earth. <laughs> and like, you know, Francis McDormick, William H Macy, they have gone and done amazing films. Not to say Will Smith and Adam Sandler haven't. But yeah. we're talking peak Will Smith. We're talking peak Adam Sandler. For sure. Well, Punch Drunk Love. Uh, uh, let's let's not go off on a tangent here. Let, let's keep it with the love. Let's keep it with the love of Happy Gilmore. Uh, you're right. You're right, you're okay, right. so Independence Day and Happy Gilmore. For sure. Okay. Okay. I love this podcast. Yikes. Okay. What, what, are, you, what are you thinking? Because I, I actually don't know what I'm thinking. I know because... Evan, I'm just I'm, I'm trying not to get sidetracked, but the the film student in me says you got to pick Fargo. But we're not in film school anymore, Joey. You're right. I guess I grew up and stuff. Okay, and it, you know it's just it's just way more fun. Uh, aliens versus uh, Golf. Bob Barker yeah. fist fights. Dude, speaking <laughs> of punching, Bob Barker would have taken out an alien or two. That's right, no doubt. So no doubt. So here's the thing. Uh, if we're talking like uh, like chest thumping, like rah rah stuff, obviously Independence Day make, you know leaves you with your adrenaline going. But Happy Gilmore, like sinking that final putt, and you know just going ten minutes before that, the Happy Lookout. Happy Lookout. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> One of my one of my favorite quoted things that obviously should never have been quoted in the first place. Just that weird scream that she does before he gets hit by the Volkswagen. Oh man, I know, and he does it all for his grandma. That's you know? and that's the thing is like yeah, Independence Day. You know, we beat the aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all good. Happy Gilmore, man. He he beat Shooter McGavin to win the house back for Grandma. How great is that? Who was stuck in that old person's home uh, <laughs> with Ben Stiller. You're in my world now, Grandma. Sir, um, could I trouble you for a glass of warm milk? It helps put me to sleep. You could trouble me for a warm glass of shut the hell up. Now you will go to sleep, or I will put you to sleep. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. Oh, dear. <laughs> Joy, let me ask you a really random question here. Uh-huh. Uh, Vivica A. Fox or Julie Bowen? We're talking the 96 versions of these of, women. But of course. Because Vivica A. Fox has that like pretty quick but pretty nice stripper scene. And Julie Bowen, she's the happy place, dude. Shoot, this is tough. Because like the 16-year-old in me says Vivica A. Fox. Because I was just like, whoa, where did she come from? And... How do I get there? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just keep thinking of that Zamboni scene, and it's like I wanted to be there. I wanted to be Happy Gilmore so bad. See, that's funny that you're thinking about her with the Zamboni scene on the ice being all nice and romantic, and I'm thinking of like the little person dancing in the background, her holding two two pitchers <laughs> of beer. <laughs> Says so much about us. What a great fantasy scene! It is that dude. That'd be my oh, happy place. Oh my gosh. And you know what? Ben Stiller. I love Ben Stiller so much. Um, okay, better. You know, let's let's talk got... better sidekicks. Ben's or not sidekicks. Better supporting cast. Ben Stiller 
or would you go um, uh, Harvey Firestein or Judd Hirsch? Jeez, these movies are so good. We really, we we really picked a couple winners. Tell you because, um, you know, Goldblum, Pullman, like Independence Day, really strong. It, okay, so cast. here's the thing. I think supporting cast, Independence Day has it for sure. Individual character, Shooter McGavin. Yeah, right, right. It's like. Do you want the 2004 Detroit Pistons or do you want the 2000 <laughs> Lakers with Shaq and Kobe, you know, because Shooter McGavin is just as historic as Happy Gilmore, you know, yeah. and my left arm is just a little bit more than my left. <laughs> um, also, Carl Weathers. Yeah. And he's Chubbs, man. Chubbs. That's like one of his. I mean, I've. Fucking love Carl Weathers. I just cursed because that's how much I love him. He's in Predator, he's in Rocky, and he's in Happy Gilmore and Arrested Development. This is tough. This is, is really tough. tough. Man. I, I mean, <sighs> I'm torn because I honestly, I, I don't know which movie I would be watching primarily and then flipping back to catch snippets of the other one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, Happy Gilmore, $12 million budget made 40 million um obviously independence day made a lot more and cost a lot more let me ask you this today obviously back then both movies were loved i think happy gilmore's audience has grown exponentially whereas independence day has kind of withered a little bit true true and you know independence day is very reliant on CGI, and that obviously has changed a lot since 1996. Right. I don't know, man. Um, I I gotta say what I what I just said about the audience is kind of you know waning and waxing. There, I might give the edge to Happy Gilmore for that. I agree. I agree. Um, and I think Independence Day, the success of it. I don't know if you remember the marketing campaign of it, but it was awesome. I mean, it's like, I cannot wait to see this movie. Yeah. Um, the trailers were super strong. I, just the visuals of it, you know? And then once you saw it, obviously, great, great film. But I think it's like the unknown of like, oh, gosh, what are the aliens going to actually look like? We just see the UFOs. And then you see them, and it's like, okay, you know, it's somewhere between Predator and something else. Yeah. Whereas Happy Gilmore, like, okay, I'm going to go see a comedy, and you leave saying that was one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Joey, give me your vote. I did not think this was going to happen. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think Happy, Happy Gilmore. Gilmore is the best film made that year. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, I love our podcast. Can I call it? Do it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are taking the 1997 was the year, right? Uh-huh, 96 but... was the release year. 97 was the award. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, we are taking the 1997 Best Picture Oscar away from the English patient. Yeah, who? And the <laughs> and the snubbies nation is giving it to Happy Gilmore. Oh my God! I love this podcast.
Uh, you know, he got his hand back. <laughs> I Grandma got the house back. He got his hand back. Dude, this Shooter McGavin has gone down in history as one of the greatest villains of all time. For that we all sure, love. for sure. Dude, I oh I cannot agree with this anymore. I know we just did it, but I can't agree with it anymore. That was fantastic. And, you know, we didn't even mention, like, yeah, we mentioned Will Smith punching an uh, alien, but... Let's not forget, Happy Gilmore was a hockey player and punches a whole lot of people. This is true. This is very true. Oh, I love that movie so much. Oh, man. Dude, that's that makes me feel good. That makes me feel good like Happy Gilmore made me feel good. Totally. Totally. I am so happy about this. Man. Oh, well done. I need to take an ice bath after this one. Well done. Joey, you want to you plug anything on the way out? Um... Like yeah, Happy Gilmore. Go watch it again. It's <laughs> awesome. It'll make you feel super good. Oh man. Uh, yeah, but you still got to watch a Time to Kill and Sling Blade. I'll get. I will. Okay. I, will, I promise. Okay. You. Good. Oh man. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Uh, check us out on Instagram, uh, Twitter. Uh, I don't think we're on Facebook. Just Instagram and Twitter. Let's not get crazy here. Uh, please rate us on iTunes. Leave a comment on how much you love us and all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Joey, anything else? Evan, I can't. Yeah, I just I can't wait to be next to you again. I'm rubbing <laughs> the screen, but it's not the same. It's not the but same. At least, it's not that warm. At least we can still do this. If we can't be there in person, at least we can still that's do true. this. So that's people, true. wash your hands. Please uh, practice yeah. social distancing. Uh, We're going to get back to normal. We're going to have Christmas again. Let's save our old people. In the meantime, yeah, watch Happy Gilmore. (laughs) All right, Joey, you good? I'm good? All good. All right, love you, man. Love you. All right, Mason, take us out. I used to fuck guys like you in prison. Don't just stare at it, eat it. See you later, huh? I'll give you a call. Bye. Bye-bye, dickhead. See ya. Take care now. Bye-bye then. Happy Bye-bye, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>